What do you guys think about us using the Always Sunny theme song for our Always Sunny episode? We're not just gonna use our regular music like we do for every episode? We can't use the It's Always Sunny music, we'll get sued. Welcome to Fandom Media. Thanks, announcer Jason. And to Heinz Kieseling, who wrote the It's Always Sunny theme song, which is called Temptation Sensation. Yeah, it's in the public domain, which is why we can't get sued. That's right. We're Fandom Media and the joke's on us. We're going to cover a variety of shows, but we won't do every show the same way. Yeah, sometimes we'll cover a whole season in one episode, and sometimes we'll cover several episodes of a show in one shot. But with our favorite shows, we'll go episode episode. It's always sunny at Fandom Media. Meta Elements. Season 12, episode 1 of It's Always Sunny was actually written a while back, but they couldn't figure out exactly how to make the episode work. It, it didn't do what they had in mind, so they shelved it. But eventually, well, one day something funny happened. Charlie Day and Mary Elizabeth Ellis were at the play Hamilton, and Lin-Manuel Miranda himself noticed them and said, Hey, Charlie Day and the Waitress, I'm a big fan of your show. And he cited the episode Nightman and all that. And that gave Charlie the, the idea to make this shelved episode into a musical, a lot like Hamilton in a sense, and here we are. As Aziz mentioned, it was written by Charlie Day and as well Glenn Howerton and Rob McElhaney as quite a lot of the episodes are, but the director was Matt Shackman, who is a little bit of an unsung hero. He's directed 40 episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, wow. as well as a bunch of episodes of You're the Worst, another show that we love and are going to be reviewing, and he's going to be directing two episodes of Game of Thrones next season, so he's starting to get his kudos. Yeah, that's really good. 40 episodes, that's third of the, all yeah. the episodes, isn't it? Yeah. Fandomedia.reviews. There's also a cameo appearance, special guest, Scott Blackula, uh, Bakula was there, uh, and uh, sort of playing himself. I, I always think it's neat when a show does that. And we also had, uh, not a guest or a cameo person, well, maybe it is a cameo, but Chad Coleman, who plays Z. He's also on uh, The Wire and um, The Expanse, which is a currently running show that we're watching, and probably we'll do a podcast about that too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, let's call it definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Coleman's first appearance was in King of the Rats. That was season six, episode 10. Charlie Kelly, King of the Rats. I think this is now his fourth episode he's been in, so maybe we'll see him again. I hope so. Narrative. Despite being inspired by a musical, this episode is an homage to a lot of different movies, mostly, apparently, The Wiz, which none of us have seen, so it's hard to comment on that exactly. But also... The hot chick, the change-up. Vice versa, all of me. Like father, like son, dating the enemy. A boy thing, a girl thing. 13 going on 30. Detention. Face-off. Uh, Fre Freaky uh, Friday? Yeah, Freaky Friday got in there too. It was it after. Did. It wasn't part of the song, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of different movies. So I had more than one TV show, there was one specifically referenced Quantum Leap, but they mentioned Fall Guy and Nash Bridges in his song. Yeah. <laughs> which is a neat, you know, more mentions of 80s TV shows, uh, more uh, nostalgia, 
which this mm-hmm. episode had a lot of. Yeah, that was a great element of it. This episode didn't have a ton of callbacks within the series, but it had one really genius one that I was pretty proud of getting, which is that when they say at the end of the episode that they don't give a shit about your dream, that is a callback to the pilot of the show. Oh. When Dennis says to Dee, he says, I hate listening to people's dreams. It's like flipping through a stack of photographs. If I'm not in any of them and nobody's having sex, I just don't care. <laughs> I was like it's the pilot. Nice. Dennis's character, narcissistic from the get-go. They've been true to it. It's probably one of the first things he says, huh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's right. So then there's, of course, there's old black man uh, from Mac and Dennis moved to the old suburbs. Old man. Old man. Right. Old, I'm sorry. Yes. Old man. <laughs> he, of course, obviously is a returning character, but he speaks for the first time in this episode. True. I can't tell you how happy I was to see him sitting with them watching that movie in the beginning of the episode. Few things have made me that happy, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, this was a good thing to start the episode with because it was a callback and it was a continuation. And a lot of times they, you know, like a lot of shows, they like a lot of comedies. They just abandon whatever's happened in the past as far as plot goes and just do new stuff. So having the result of that lost bet still be in effect was pretty funny. It was a year. The bet was four years, right? (laughs) Yeah. That is the thing about the show I particularly appreciate that a lot of, like you're saying, a lot of comedies, especially the more absurd they are, the more they'll abandon crazy things that happen, you know, like someone's house got blown up or the car got wrecked or whatever. But those types of things, and it's always Sunday... They continue throughout. When they burn their apartment down, they had to move to a new place. Uh, when they make a bet where they have to sleep with an old black man for a year, it's still happening a year later. So Yeah, they had to do uh, community service for the arson uh, way back early on. A lot of times they get away with it without getting caught, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly some of the things, some of the sort of things happen in real life. Maybe they couldn't have kept going the way they did or they should have gotten more trouble. But for the most part, I feel like they try to maintain continuity. I think two great examples are the characters of Rickety Cricket and Maureen Ponderosa, both yes. of whom have changed so much throughout the course of the show, just physically, and they've added so many prosthetics to both of them. <laughs> So this episode featured that kind of continuity a bit with having the character Z having the some of the some of those familiar locations that we'd had before and of course old Bla- old man being there as we've discussed and I think we all as a group we all were pretty positive about this episode Sean I remember I had already seen it at the time when you watched it for the first time and we watched it we were watching it together and about 10 minutes in you were laughing really hard and saying that it would be really hard for this to not be one of your favorite episodes. I wasn't just laughing really hard. I was smiling really big. Anytime I wasn't laughing, I was still smiling. I think I do have a particular uh, affinity for musicals and performance and dance. Like I have an extra appreciation when shows do that type of thing or musical movies and so on. Additionally, I appreciate they're making some social commentary here with this episode, which It's Always Sunny does quite a bit, actually. On the surface, they're kind of zany and uh horrible obnoxious and yeah. you know you know like as characters uh, uh horrible you know but additionally the show in general i can imagine grading on people but it's not just a bunch of silliness and randomness they're very calculated in both their humor and their topic choices and and even how the characters the ways in which the characters are horrible are representing flaws of society or flaws of humanity and so on Aside from all that, though, I just loved the pacing of it, the, the interjection of the songs, the performances even of the, the actors. It's Especially when you have these moments where they're all singing, it's fun for me, especially on a second viewing, but I was trying to key in even the first time. The 
faces of the characters who aren't actively speaking or singing. They, I think they were behaving appropriately. They're just the presentation, the framing, everything about it. This whole time I was watching it, I was thinking about how a lot of comedies don't really take full use of the film medium. They're just people saying funny things back and forth. But you have all these other things to use. You have like editing and lighting, camera angles, costume, what they're wearing, stuff in the background. They're, I feel like they're hitting all the bases. They're really making a film, not just saying funny stuff, you know? I really disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I think Always Sunny has does that, and I think they've done it way better in countless other episodes. I think this is one of the weakest examples of both their musical talents and their social commentary. I can think of so many other episodes that I think were more cutting and relevant than this episode was. This one to me felt shallow, especially when I compared it to something like Atlanta, which dealt with it, I thought a lot better, which is not to say I didn't like the episode. I liked the episode. Any Always Sunny episode is essentially at least a seven or an eight to me. It's just that this is towards the bottom half of episodes for me. Right on. Fandomedia.reviews. I think that there's definitely other shows that deal with this and other social issues more deeply or more poignantly. And It's Always Sunny itself has had shows that maybe did better social commentary. But it's not like every show does that. I yeah. think it's still pretty unique for a show to address this type. Even a lot of my favorite shows, very rarely, if at all, does, I don't know, The Office or Game of Thrones, you know, shows that I really love, pretty much don't deal with this particularly at all. So, uh, they, Or they do it in more subtle ways, maybe. Yeah, you know, yeah. More like, yeah, more less 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 obvious ways. I think this is maybe more on the level of something like Saturday Night Live, where it's more of a reverent. Yeah. Except that they don't have, the cast itself doesn't have a natural racial mix to to work with so they have to do if they want to tackle an issue like this they don't have their regular cast to draw on they have to do something kind of weird or they have to bring in characters that they aren't that they don't really have or they have to take the time to build up more side characters and stuff like that that could have been part of this episode that's true that would take a lot more long-term planning you're right that's a thing but it's not yeah maybe they're working on it with z yeah, I mean, maybe they're trying to do that more. Who knows? They can only have one, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you get another ratio is off, and then they have to talk about it. They talk about the fact that they have only one black friend. Wait, they have two. <laughs> they have old black men also. They have, they're, they're really working on it. They're, they're going to get the ratios right. <laughs> uh, another thing I want to say is, um, I was sort of touching on it a moment ago, but a difference between books and film in general is that in a book, you can get into someone's thoughts. You can just go on and on about how someone feels or thinks about something, but it's really difficult to do that in a show. It You need either narration or really great acting or directing or something. On the other hand, in a book, it's really difficult. You have to spend pages and pages describing how something physically looks, like someone's appearance or the room, the setting. In a book, you, in a show rather, in a movie or a film, a TV show, you can do it instantly. You just, in one, literally one second, you see everything. You know exactly what someone's facial expression is, what the background, what the building looks like, their dress, so on, so on. So you, you have these different things you get to do with film than you do with books. Within film, there's different things you get to do with a musical. When you start to allow characters to sing, you can let them emote in ways that wouldn't be natural in a regular and like a straight film. When they're singing, it's more okay, you know, it's like a theater device to talk about your emotions that otherwise would be difficult to do. Or maybe to talk about 
a tough issue like racism or something like that. You get to add this sort of lightheartedness, you know, they can even say something might be inappropriate, but it rhymes, so it's okay. And the it's natural, always something- It's like a framing of silliness almost. Yes. To like lighten the mood, yeah. Cause it's so unnatural to be just walking around singing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's always sunny. It's kind of on the edge, you know, if, if not over the edge. I'm sure there's lots of people who are quite offended by the stuff that they do. And there's probably some things that they might regret. They're like, oh, we shouldn't have done this. That was a little too offensive. We went over the line. But I still think for the most part, I don't think they are racist or, or these negative things that these characters portray. I don't think they are these things. I think they're trying to address these things. And sometimes they have to do things that would be offensive in order to address things that are offensive. In fact, they have recognized when they did things inelegantly or poorly. For instance, the episodes with uh, the tranny in early seasons, they didn't make it very clear that they were addressing this as Max's reaction being a negative thing. And so they brought her back and made it clear by the rest of the gang being like, no, she's a woman. She's a woman. You're, you're crazy. Dude. Everyone was clearly, Mac was in his own little world. Yeah, they had to make yeah. it clear, though. And sometimes they have to do that. Sometimes I think they do realize that they didn't make it clear enough and they hammer things home a little yeah. more later. There's been a shift, I think, in how these things are presented, too, in media. It was definitely more okay, you know, in the 80s and 90s to just be do things that are kind of offensive now. It's more, more the it's society kind of doesn't, it's usually kind of the opposite. People tend to cool down about some things. But there's good things being brought up and whether or not they're handled well, that's a matter of opinion, of course. But, you know, there's something to be said for for trying for making an attempt. Now, Shay, you brought something up interesting earlier about comparing the show to Atlanta. I thought very interesting. Both of those shows brought up the police, excessive police violence having a police in there in an episode. And both of them did it in a way that was outside of the normal show's uh, framing. Of course, in Atlanta, it was a cartoon. They did it in a, car in a child's cartoon. Yeah, that's right. And in Sunny, they did it in this musical episode. It's worth noting Atlanta did cover police brutality a couple other times, the scene when they were in the police waiting room, for example. That's a good point. Yeah, they, they covered that a lot. So it was like kind of like what you were saying, that same point you made about the whole framing of things to make serious issues a little, to, to calm it down a little bit. Fandomedia.reviews. To me, this is a, a sort of analysis that I had, is that through the episode, I want to say they, but it was usually Mac was vocalizing a lesson. They're learning a lesson. Like they, they're trying to figure out the rules, right? And yeah. they've got to get their own bodies back. And usually in these types of shows, these movies that do this, they have to write some wrong. You know, they're, look, they don't understand how tough mom has it. And now I understand, oh, mom, I'm sorry, you know, and then they switch back all of a sudden. And so they're looking for the, the lesson that they need to learn so they can switch their bodies back. And usually the lesson is either completely wrong, like Max, like, oh, the lesson here is black people run a credit. Like, no, dude, that's, you know, <laughs> or it's close to right, but they realize there's another side to it. For example, one time the lesson is, well, if you're just an upstanding citizen, the police won't arrest you. Well, hold on. We were upstanding citizens when they arrested us. So... They're, I feel like, making some sort of attempt to, like, look at both sides of the issue. But when they get to this final one, it just blows the other arguments. When they're, like, teetering back and forth from four to six, four to six. When we're trying to find five, four to six. Then all of a sudden, Charlie gets shot dead. Okay, now it's way over at ten. The, the, there's certain elements yeah, of racism. Like now you see the difference. Right. It's, like, it's yeah. so more extreme that these nuanced things that people want to debate over are just completely outshadowed by these serious things. Right. The best example, I think, was Frank wanting to say the n-word which of course is just a ridiculous thing to, to feel 
upset about that you can't say the n-word meanwhile there's this huge actual real problem of you know sometimes excessive police violence as an aside <laughs> it's also ridiculous to imagine frank not saying that yes yeah, that, his character <laughs> you're right his character would totally be on the side of the police he would totally have said it he wouldn't have said the n-word he would have said the word yeah <laughs> <laughs> Audio elements. Now, this was a different kind of musical episode than they've done before, but obviously they've done musical episodes before. This was different in that the musical was everything, rather than them putting on a musical or being involved in a musical or creating music in some way. So that was a bit different, but it's certainly not new for them to do music, which is something I really like. And that has really made it stick with me more, because the thing about music is that it can really get in your head. And these were some really catchy tunes now, I don't know that we're dealing with something on the level of, like, Dayman, which uh -huh. really stuck with people. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, that was super, super catchy. <laughs> Mine's Birds of War. Birds of War is so good. <laughs> yeah, they're so good at this type of humor. I don't know if this was going to stand the test of time like those other ones, but it's got a chance. Uh, certainly the early returns for me, singing it constantly the day after the day after the day after, just continuously. I also appreciate the images of them singing too, dancing down the street and like, how, what, what's happening? Yeah. We're, why are we singing? <laughs> I will say uh, we watched this with one of our roommates. Well, we watched it with a bunch of roommates, but and a bunch of friends. But one of our roommates had seen the Wiz, and I assumed that the ending scene, the dancing down the street, was from the Wiz, and he confirmed that it was from the Wiz. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other references to movies that we didn't actually get because we don't watch all of those body switching movies and musicals. What do you mean? I watch all of them. <laughs> Everyone. <huh? laughs> I live. Well, not everyone. All of me is one of my favorites, so it might be my favorite Steve Martin movie. It's. A, I thought it was a little more obscure. I was happy for him to rattle that one off because, like, oh, all of me. I love that movie. I'm a, even yeah. heard of that movie. <laughs> I'm with you there. I'm a particular Steve Martin fan. Another thing about this episode being a musical, there are certain things you do from a cinematic perspective in addition to singing obviously but for example it's kind of a classic scene of snow white it's, it's something to be made fun of a million times singing out of the window you know the birds coming and so on you have scott bakula singing out the window and uh you know who in real life like emotes out the window but as a musical it's like a common theme a common you know above angle camera from outside coming down to the person inside as they sing their song about their emotions or whatever i think that they were really capturing the filming style of a musical not just singing some songs normally you wouldn't be able to hear the person through the window they'd be like wait what is he She's singing? She's singing loud enough. It's like, what? I can't hear you. <laughs> Wasn't Twisted, Singer, Twisted Sister singing out the window? And uh, I'm, we're not going to take it? <laughs> yeah, but they broke through that glass. That's right. That's right. <laughs> visual elements. Speaking of glass, a rare visual trick they did in this episode was the whole mirror shtick. And we have a question. How do they do that? How do they film that where you can't see the camera? We were puzzling over that. We could easily have looked it up, but we decided not to because I think our consternation is more entertaining. <laughs> I think so, too. I've wondered about it in movies when they go into some sort of house of mirrors and, you know, they're like looking in one direction. There's a bunch of mirrors down the way and are reflecting the stuff on the other side. Where's the camera? How are they exactly. capturing that on film? I, I don't know if it's just they get just the right angle or if there's some filmmaking trick to it. Maybe it's all CGI. There's some kind of magic that allows Scott Bakula to leap from body to body. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Scott Bakula knows how they do the mirror thing. <laughs> <laughs> so as we wind down this episode, I think we wanted to share our favorite moments. Each of us go around. So if you guys have a favorite moment, uh, we'll start with Ulysses. Well, because I've seen the episode so many times, 
uh, the songs really got in my head. But to be honest, I was singing them after the first time. I really liked the What Are the Rules song. I think it's catchy and it uh, got me singing it. So, you know, it's hard to pick a favorite moment. So many things made me laugh uproariously in the episode. But I'm going to go with that song because it stuck with me. I'm torn. I, I really love the moment when they're making their case to the VCR repair guy, the <laughs> song that they sing right there. But also the moment when they're dancing down the street. They And if you remember, Charlie joins them. He comes around a corner. I was even, when I was watching, I thought it was weird how Danny DeVito was kind of shifted over to one side and realized, oh, they're making space for Charlie to come in and it keeps it symmetrical. And as they're singing, they suddenly have, again, a shift that might be out of place, except that it's this musical choreography. The people on the outside, Charlie and Danny DeVito, back up from the rest. And then immediately they start the dance where their arms are swinging back and forth. And they just needed more space to not bump the people next to them to do that. And <laughs> I'd just, I'd just, it just caught me off guard a little when they broke into that dance. And in my mind, it registered why they shifted their positions like they did. I just, I don't know. I ate it up. I loved it. <laughs> I'd say my favorite or what I thought the best moment of the show was it wasn't the funniest to me it was just charlie singing his song in the police interview room and the look of him in the mirror with the little black boy and i just thought it was the most emotional i thought it was the just the most well done scene individual scene and i think that my actual favorite though like as much as i really just liked that and i thought it was the best or whatever my favorite was just them reeling off all of those movies <laughs> i just love references so i think that was like the one I, the, the part that i would watch over and over again is that little bit of them singing their songs which is the water the rules song i do have a question by the way speaking of the mirror scott bakula at the end there well Old, old man uh, <laughs> walks by a mirror and we see it's Scott, Scott Bakula in the mirror. At what point did he jump in? Like, remember, an old man wakes up and he's like, how did I get here? You didn't learn your lesson. They go on and on. And was he old man right then or was he no, Scott Bakula? No, no. He was, it, was, it was Scott Bakula having this dream where, he, like, in his dream, his better life is him as a janitor singing <laughs> mournfully. It's really sad. <laughs> He's and always he says been he's, Scott Bakula, basically. And he I says see. he's been working in Hollywood for 30 years, but that is his dream. That <laughs> shows to show how... He's not even on though, NCIS. Even though they can do crazy mirror tricks with cameras, still, it's a horrible, hard life. Fandomedia.reviews. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for today, folks. Signing off for Fandomedia Podcast, I'm DeFandra Reynolds. I'm Maureen Fanderosa. And I'm Old Black Fan. Old Fan. Old Fan.